Well, we're looking, as you see in your um, bulletin, at James chapter 1. It's actually verses 19 through 27. James chapter 1, verses 19 through 27. It's a wonderful chapter of Scripture. I wish that we had time to cover the whole chapter this morning. But let's focus on 19 through 27. Let me, let me read for you now from God's holy word. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away, and at once forgets what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion is, that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Thus far, God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us your word, and it, it is both very clear and also is much blocked by our hearts that push back. Lord, we ask that your spirit would open our ears that we may hear, open our hearts that we may receive, open our hands that we may do, and open our lives that we may live for Christ. We pray this now in his name. Amen. Well, I hope that you had a good Thanksgiving. You know, traditionally, Thanksgiving is a time spent with family. And so we, we have a bit of a theme of family here. You know, the, the author of this, these passages is James. He was the brother of the Lord Jesus. I heard a comedian say once, once imagine how difficult it would be to be Jesus' brother and to hear, why can't you be more like your brother? That would be difficult. Debbie didn't have to worry too much about that this weekend with Thanksgiving. Her brother was visiting. He had a bloody nose. Um, he has a number of medical issues. And yet he was up walking around. And his wife said to him, why are you walking around? And he said, I'm looking for my glasses. And she said, they're on your face. <laughs> and the whole family laughed. Not a brother you have to worry too much about keeping up with. I didn't discuss this with Jonathan ahead of time. Maybe I should have. I was thinking maybe instead of preaching a sermon, I would just tell you stories about my Thanksgiving. That would allow you to be hearers 
and not doers. But the text here tells us we are to be doers of the word. So I think we should attend to it. So let's study and attend to God's word. I just mentioned that James was Jesus' brother, and so there's a family aspect to this. You know, it was interesting when James was with his mother, fairly early in Jesus' ministry, we see in Luke chapter 8, they came to him and they said, uh, while Jesus was preaching, hey, your mother and brothers are outside. And Jesus said, my mother and brothers are those who obey the word of God. What do you think James was thinking? He's just been essentially disowned? Not, not directly, because if he did God's word, he would still be Jesus' brother. But what do you think he thought about how his mother was being painted in that picture? This is your mother, Jesus. This is our family. And Jesus was saying, my family is those who hear and do. And that's what James has taken to heart in this chapter. In verses 19 through 20, he's going to show us that active, the active reception and application of God's word brings about the righteous life that your Father in heaven desires for you. And he's going to show you that by showing righteous hearing, righteous receiving, righteous doing, and righteous living. Now, notice that James has done something curious here. He knows that it's the reception of God's word and the application of God's word that builds God's family. But he's broken it down just a little bit more. It's not just reception and application, but it's the righteous hearing and the righteous receiving and the righteous doing and the righteous living. You see, you can actually hear and not receive. You're probably familiar with this. At least once in your life, perhaps the person sitting next to you has said, did you hear what I said? And you said, yes. And the other person said, then why didn't you do what I said? Because you didn't receive it. You weren't listening. So let me ask you, who does James have in mind here? This brother of Jesus, who does he have in mind? He talks about two types of hearers. Hearers who are righteous, who listen, listen to and actively receive, and hearers who are unrighteous. Note there in verse 19, quick to hear. Quick to hear. Now that might sound a little odd. I mean, how can you hear quickly? And obviously he's speaking to being prepared to hear. Being ready. Think of an Olympic runner as the Olympic runner situates in the blocks on the track, getting ready to leap up and sprint. James is telling you to be quick to hear. He has in mind the idea of being taught, of learning. When you're quick to hear, think of a child in a classroom, eager to learn, quick to hear. One of the most beautiful things about God's Word is that it teaches, it corrects, and it comforts. And that's exactly what James is looking at here. 
quick to hear, quick to be taught. And then he says, slow to speak. Well, you know what that means. What's the opposite of slow to speak? Quick to speak. And when you're being corrected and you're quick to respond, there's an excellent chance that while the other person was talking, telling you what you've done wrong and how you can improve, you were conjuring up reasons to defend yourself, to rationalize, to argue. See, you were getting in those blocks on the Olympic track, ready to leap up and sprint into defending yourself. Being quick to speak, it, that, that is not being corrected. If God's word teaches, corrects, and comforts, when you're quick to speak, you're not ready to be corrected. And James takes it the next step, slow to anger. Well, again, you know what that means because you know the opposite. Quick to anger. But the word comforts. And when you take it slowly, when something that frustrates you, and I mean literally frustrates you, gets in your way, it's worth it to take time and let God's word seep in so that you may be comforted and so that you may comfort others around you. So again, James is looking here about righteous hearers, those who attend, literally those who attend a worship service to hear God's word preached, those who attend a morning devotional to hear God's word discussed, as well as those who attend to God's word, hearers who will listen, verse 19, and then hearers who comfort in verse 20. And that's what he has in mind. And he contrasts that with the unrighteous, hearers who are unrighteous. Here he's talking about hearing versus listening. You know this because throughout Scripture it's replete with, he who has ears, let him hear. Well, you have ears. You can hear, but that doesn't mean you're listening. Now, I want to be clear, I don't think James has in mind those who are unrighteous in the sense of being without faith. If you look back at the beginning of the chapter, James is addressing his letter to the 12 tribes of the dispersion. dispersion. I don't believe that he's strictly speaking to Jews who are part of those 12 tribes. I think he's speaking to the church, which is now dispersed. We don't know when the letter was written. It could have been the first letter of the New Testament. It could have been written in the mid-40s, maybe the late 40s, well before the Gospels, perhaps, had been written down. And he's, he's sending something out to the believers. Now, there would have been those in the church who didn't have faith, but I think he's really focusing here on those who have ears but aren't listening, those who have faith but are not exercising that faith. And so he talks about these unrighteous hearers who are angry. It says in verse 20, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Now, why would James invoke that? That the anger of man doesn't produce the righteousness of God. Of course, anger doesn't produce righteousness. Except that sometimes you've thought that maybe it does. Sometimes when you've corrected a child or a spouse, it occurred to you for a moment that anger would produce righteousness in that other person. 
And by delivering it with anger, they would see that this is important stuff. This is God's righteousness after all. And James is saying, whoa, 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 whoa. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Be slow to anger. And there's an excellent chance the other person will hear you better. So what does James intend for you to do? What does righteous living look like? Well, he's going to give us that here. He wants you to be quick to hear. He wants you to meditate. There's an old Jewish saying. I love this. If a word be worth one shekel, silence be worth two. He wants you to meditate. Now, your meditation will include thoughts and words. But before speaking, he wants you to meditate. He wants you to be ready. Again, Luke 8.8, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Luke 14.35, Jeremiah in the Old Testament, 5.31. And he wants you to learn. Meditate, be ready, and learn. John 6.45, it is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Jesus is explaining that the Word builds God's family. His Father brings those to him and and teaches them and thereby builds his family. So he wants you to know that God's Word builds God's family, you along with your brothers and sisters. And that's what James is aiming for here, which is why he wants you to be slow to anger. When being corrected, be sure to fairly consider. Let me read to you from Luke 4.28 and see if these people listen to that advice. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. This is when Jesus spoke. Or Acts 5.33. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill him. This is when Jesus spoke. Or John 8.9. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. They had wanted to stone her. But when he spoke, They took their wrath and went away. Matthew 13, 20 says it well. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. You see, that's why James has built his argument for you to note that hearing requires receiving. Because we know in the parable of the soils... Sometimes God's word gets on the ground and it doesn't take root at all. It's heard, but it doesn't take root. So he wants you to receive it. And how does he want you to do that? Verse 21, he wants you to receive it by the Spirit. The living word is active. It can live inside you. And what brings the word to life inside you? The Spirit. He wants you to receive it with meekness. He says, receive with meekness the implanted word. I think he's thinking of the Sermon on the Mount, perhaps, but he's probably also thinking of Psalm 37, 11. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves. You see, meekness 
is a requirement for receiving. And so he goes on, and we could plow our way through verse 21. What does he say? Here is who prepare, here is who receive, here is who submit, here is whose souls are saved. Though They are those who receive God's word. So again, what does James intend for you to do? What does righteous living look like? Well, it begins with knowing the value and purpose of righteous living. 2 Timothy 3.15 And how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. It begins with knowing the value and purpose of God's word. That it brings salvation to you and those around you. And he wants you to daily receive this. That's why he's emphasized this, is to receive it not just once, but to continue receiving it. And he wants you to prepare by putting away filthiness, wickedness, hypocrisy, lust. Calvin puts it this way, rooting up noxious weeds. Think about it. When you prepare a garden in spring, you root up the noxious weeds. And throughout the season you continue rooting up those noxious weeds. It's not a one-time event, unfortunately. James is focusing here really on the implanted words sinking in through sanctification. He's talking about you, those who've already received faith. Let it sink in and let it take root. So I ask you, has the word been implanted in you? Has the word been implanted in you? If so, if so, show it. Do it. Because you will really appropriate the word. Take it on board by becoming doers. And that takes us to verse 22. He's going to talk about this active application of doing. Now there's something a little bit ironic here. You hear, and the thing that makes you an active, true, receiving hearer is what? Doing. Because that's proof to you, to others, that the word has taken effect. He wants you to be doers, not merely hearers. You know, occasionally people will pit James against Paul, and they'll say, you know, Paul really likes to focus on justification, and James really seems to focus on active doing. It's a silly Uh, comparison, because they both are interested in the same thing. But I do think it's curious in Romans 2.13 that Paul would quote nearly from James here. And remember, James probably wrote wrote first, For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. Yeah, Paul's focused on justification. And by the way, how do you confirm that justification? By doing He's in full agreement with James here. Doers of the law. This is not just theory, this is practice. He he mentions not deceiving yourself. Why does he do that? He says, be doers of the law, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Well, what would a deceiver be? A deceiver would be someone who said, yeah, I heard that. Yeah, I, I read God's word. I heard what he had to say. It said, do not covet. By the way, that's a really nice car out there. Whose car is that? It says, do not covet. 
Don't deceive yourselves by saying, I heard it, when you have not received it. And by the way, how do you do it? By carrying it out. And you say, I really like that. In fact, I've just caught myself noticing that I need to do something, like confess. And he wants us to be doers. In that sense, I don't think this is a, a, a word, but we undeceive ourselves. You undeceive yourself by doing. The thing you knew to be true, you now do, and you undeceive yourself. That it was good enough that you heard it. We make it real. We see the presence of Christ in our lives when we do the law. What did Christ say, by the way? In another event in which they said, your mother is outside, sort of thing, they said, your mother is so blessed. Blessed is your mother. And he responded, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. It's funny how when Jesus is confronted with his nuclear family, the first thing he thinks of is doing the word of God. Probably because they exhorted him to do that as he was growing up. Blessed are those who hear the word and obey it. Calvin, by the way, said this. I I, I read it to you only because I think the last word is a fun word. Uh, the, word, the word testifies by his life, that he, or the doing testifies by his life that he really believes. We ought to labor that the word of the Lord should strike roots in us so that it may afterwards fructify. Now, I don't know what fructify word means exactly. I don't have to look it up, though. It means produce fruit. And you are blessed. You see in your life that you really believe when you labor, that the word of the Lord should strike roots in us. You know, for Calvin, doing included the work of receiving the word. It was receiving it was work, and carrying out was work, because it was beautiful service to the Lord, and it fructified. Well, we then get to a curious passage here, and maybe you were wondering about this yourself. It says, for anyone, if anyone, in verse 23, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. I won't ask how many of you have looked in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. Have you ever done this? I have these little buttons on my collar. I don't know what you call those, collar buttons? I can't tell you how many times I've looked in a mirror and said, oh, I need to button my collar buttons, and I walked away and forgot. And then I'm sitting somewhere in a meeting, and I reach over, and I'm like, oh, my collar's unbuttoned. Or maybe you've looked in the mirror and said, oh, I forgot to put on earrings this morning. And you went away from the mirror, and you got somewhere in the neighborhood of your jewelry case, and then you got a cup of coffee and never put the earrings on. It's like a man who looks in a mirror intently and after he goes away at once forgets what he was like. By the way, the Greek doesn't actually say forgets what he looks like. It says forgets what he was like. Forgets his character. By the way, my brother-in-law could have used a mirror to notice that his glasses were on his face. 
He didn't even have to look in a mirror to forget that his glasses were not on his face. It's easy for us to do this. Why is it easy? This should be an important question. Why is it so easy for us to look in a mirror and forget? Because we probably didn't prioritize it enough. But maybe more importantly, we didn't believe it was important. You see, God's Word is a mirror. It teaches. It corrects. It comforts. And when you look in the mirror, you might be comforted. Oh, thank you for your word, God. And then you turn away and you forget. And James is saying, the law is like this, a hearer of the word and not a doer. But verse 25, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Well, there's several important lessons, I think, hiding in there. The law of liberty. He wants you to notice that the law is a law of liberty. It's not a law of condemnation. It's a law of freedom. The law was given to us so that we may be free. We just studied that in Galatians 6. You have been set free by the law. And so he's reminding us it's a law of liberty. When you look at the law as a law of rules, as a law of do's and don'ts, and don't look at it as the liberating force by which God frees his people from the family of Satan, and brings them in and adopts them as his own. He builds his family through his word. When you realize that it liberates you from sin, you realize it's a law of liberty. And you will look upon it and not forget. It says, being no hearer who forgets, but a hearer who acts... What is the first thing you do when turning away from the mirror? Button your collar buttons, or put on your earrings, or get your glasses, or whatever it is. Do it, is what James is saying, because you will be blessed in the doing. It's not simply the hearing. It frees us from these burdens so that we may then do When you are pulled by your selfish desires and lusts, you are not apt to do the things that God has called you to do. This frees you to do those things. And again, it frees us because we then know what sin is. When we look in the mirror, why do you look in the mirror? I mean, seriously, it's not a rhetorical question. Why do you look in the mirror? There are probably two reasons you look in the mirror. One, to see if there's a problem. (laughs) that you need to correct and deal with, or two, because you like noticing that there's somebody created in the image of God standing there. And so you're looking to how you can be encouraged and encourage others through your appearance. That's probably why you look in the mirror. But when you look in God's Word, which is a mirror, you see your sin. You also see how to please God because you know how to please God, because it tells you how to please God, and so you're free to love, because we know how to love. It gives you those two important components 
of knowing what to fix and knowing how to love. The law is our source of liberty. So again, let me ask you, have you been set free? Are you living in freedom each and every day? God's word is there to free you. Each and every day. It says he's blessed in his doing. That's the end of verse 25. Blessed in his doing. The one who looks into, the word here is around investigates, scrutinizes the perfect law, will be blessed. Consider, I already read to you from Luke, or mentioned in Luke 8.21, Jesus answered them, My mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. They're the ones blessed in the family. Notice that James was a devout follower of Jesus eventually. He was one of his brothers who looked intently into the perfect law and did it. So again, we have this, hearers who are righteous are those who persevere, who remember, who do. Persevere, remember, do. Now, one question might be, well, okay, if doing is so cool, you, do you think maybe James is suggesting, is, is saying that it's all about doing? It's just about doing? Like, let's just put on a good show and do it. Let's put on our tie, let's look good, let's go to church, and we'll worship and pray and make it look good. Let's do. And James is saying, please, please, please. Doing is important. Righteous doing is important. But we're talking here about righteous living. Righteous living. Look at verse 26. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue. Now what does that look like? Someone who thinks he's religious and isn't bridling his tongue. Well, obviously that's someone who's speaking. You're, you, a bridle is what you put in a horse to steer the horse. Someone who's wildly galloping in what he speaks while pretending to be religious. We're thinking he's seeming religious. Well, what does that look like? Well, I think that probably looks like someone telling you the rules. We generally refer to this as legalism. Someone telling you, you must do this, you must do this. God calls you to do this, do this, do this, do this. And you might find it a little ironic that I'm standing up here this morning saying James is calling us to do. And that's why he's got verse 26 right here. If anyone thinks he's religious and does not bridle his tongue, he talks a good talk. He tells people what God's word says. Hey, you shouldn't covet. Stop coveting. He says, but deceives his heart. This person's religion is worthless. See, James has moved now from doing to living. If the word is implanted, if you've received it and you're doing, you're called to live the word. Now, what is the perfect law? To love God and to love your neighbor. He's calling us to do that. Which is why in verse 27 he says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. By the way, he's not giving a full answer to the question of what is pure religion. He's not telling you pure religion is simply 
visiting widows and orphans. No, he's giving you a component of that. It's like Chrysostom, by the way, 1,500 years ago, used this example. It seems like a pretty good contemporary example. He says, if, if there's a drunk and he tells you he's very moral, you would say to him, being moral is not getting drunk. So James is not giving us a full and comprehensive list of what being moral is. He's just saying in the particular case of the guy who thinks he's religious, notice this, visit orphans and widows. Now, who are orphans and widows in our story here? Who did Jesus say were his mother and brothers? Those who do the word. Well, how can they do the word if they don't know the word? How can they be part of God's family unless they're visited, unless you actually connect with them? And so he's saying, please notice this. If you hear God's word and receive God's word and do God's word, then live God's word by coming alongside the widows and the orphans, visiting them, and then you will be before God your Father. That's why he puts that in verse 27, before God the Father, the family of God. Love your neighbor especially those who have no family. Keep unstained from the world. James is saying that, religious, that, that religion, pure religion, is living the word of God. Living the word of God. So here we have the righteous who love, the righteous who reject worldliness, and the unrighteous who speak wildly and are stained by the world. Well, let's bring this thing to conclusion. Let's, let's consider what this means for us Application-wise, how do I learn to be a quick learner, to truly receive, to be a righteous doer, to live godly? How do I do that? Well, James has been very clear. Active reception. Righteous hearing, righteous receiving. And active application. Righteous doing and righteous living. Let the word do its work in you. Put away all filthiness. Receive the word. Get rid of those noxious weeds. God has graciously given you his word so that its active and reception application would bring about a right, the righteous life that he desires for you. So, I could compose a whole list, as I've done actually, of ways that you could specifically apply this. Prepare, allocate time, confess, specific sins, pray, read God's word daily. I could go through my whole list, but you know what? I can't do that. Because you have just heard. And God is calling you to do. And the first act you can do to demonstrate that you received his word is to make your own list. Go home today, this afternoon, this evening. Put together a plan so that you may be righteous hearers and righteous receivers and righteous doers and righteous livers of God's word. Don't expect me to give you that application because then it would be like me telling you all of my Thanksgiving stories. You could hear and not have to do anything. No, immediately, go. Take God's word and say, I want to receive this. Would your spirit work in me that which Christ bought?
Would his example as my guide set the example for what I do so that I may hear, receive, do, and live? Let's pray. Great Heavenly Father, you have been so gracious to us with your word, so comforting, so correcting. Oh, Lord. So gentle is your word. We fear sometimes that we receive it so gently that we barely hear it, that we aren't listening. And so we ask today that your word would be dug deeply into our hearts. Let us receive these truths and let us recognize and know that the word builds God's family. The word brings together brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us receive that word today. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.